before we even kick off the podcast, I just want to remind everyone to go like, subscribe, and keep up with these weekly episodes. If you like what you hear, spread the word so more coaches can tune in for our weekly podcasts. Hi, I'm Coach Tony Schiffman, and welcome to the Hog Football Podcast, where we talk all things football and all things offensive line. Today, I've got Coach Cody Gardner with me. Coach Gardner is currently the defensive coordinator at Park City High School in Park City, Utah, uh, where he's been for the last five years. Before that, he spent some time at Washington High School in Washington, Missouri, and at his alma mater, Riverton High School uh, in Riverton, Illinois, right down the road from me in Springfield, Illinois. He's coached special teams, coached obviously the defense, uh, coached offensive line, defensive line, running backs, linebackers, safeties, and pretty much everything else there is on the football field. So uh known coach Gardner for a while the first time <clears throat> this is actually one of the first times we've gotten to talk and, and obviously have him on the podcast so I'm excited for today coach Gardner how are you how's everything going it's going well Tony thanks for having me on I'm excited about getting on here and talking a little ball and uh yeah it's 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 uh it's it's great day in Utah it's it's 70 and breezy and uh it's not it's not going to snow till maybe tomorrow so I'll take <laughs> no, literally it's it's beautiful out today um there's a chance it snows a tomorrow. chance I feel like in Utah, there's always a chance of snow, though. Is that is that correct? Yeah, and totally. Like the Boy Park City's laid out. There's like Old Town, and there's like kind of like the the newer part. And I live yeah. in the newer part. And one of the three resorts in town is called Canyon. So there's like this Canyon Pass in the middle of the town, and um, the weather can be eight to ten degrees difference wow. between like where I live and where the field is. Yeah. So uh, tomorrow it'll be sixty here, but there's a chance in the morning sunday morning that they'll snow on the other side of the town that's so nuts it's pretty crazy it's two different zip codes so like when i go into like the weather app to check to see what weather's going to be like I, I type in the school one for practice so like right. starting in like the first week of september i start carrying a bag that has like every contingency <laughs> possible uh weather wise that's funny that's awesome yeah. that's that's kind of like for us this spring in, in Illinois, obviously you're, you've lived in Illinois for a long time and are from here. It's the weather here can be a little bit bipolar as well. So I had a bag in the locker for, for spring ball with just, you know, a pair of shorts and then like a turtleneck and everything else. So you never, you never knew what you were going to get. So I, it's not quite as bad as that, but still it can be, uh, you know, as well as I know, you can be 30 in the morning and 90 in the afternoon sometimes. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, my first my first winter here, my first season here, it was September 14th. I remember the day went out to practice. We had like four and a half inches of snow. <laughs> but like because we're at the end of the time zone, yeah, it gets hotter like later than it does back home. Like it's more closer to four. And so we it melted during the course of practice. Like during pre-practice and, and like install, we had a couple of kids that were injured made a snowman and it was oh completely gosh. melted. So I came home and I I told my wife, I'm like, I think I've made a mistake. <laughs> That's a, and like, here you are five years later. Yeah, I was soaked. I was miserable. I was like this. And so I went up and instantly bought, you know, 30 insulate boots and all that yeah. kind of stuff just because I was like, uh, that was miserable. Yeah, so. that's crazy. Well, let's let's get going in here. Uh, you know, we're going to obviously have a couple of different things to talk about. But uh, first question I've got for you and and, you know, obviously you're a defensive coordinator right now, but, but talk to me a little bit about how the offensive line has played a role in some of your, uh, some of the, the more successful teams you've been a part of. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, when I was at uh, Riverton, my first few years, like I really hear, and, I, and I'm pretty open about, I'm a failed offensive line coach. I'm pretty <laughs> bad at it. It's just not, <clears throat> it's amazing. And I, and I respect it. It's like, I actually think it's harder than being a, a defensive coordinator. Sure. That I think the pressure, um, what you have to work with as far as like, you have to build dudes and, it, you know, and like, you just, every second of every indie of every practice has to be like completely locked in and not just maybe not my personality. Right. And so like, I, I, I'm pretty open about being a failed O-line coach, but um, I love those guys. Right. Like I played it. I respect it. Um, you know, I, I absolutely love those guys up front and, and at Riverton, I had a work perception because my first few years we were huge right. and fast. I mean, it was like five ten. you know, five ten two thirty was the little guy you know, for a 2A, 3A high school in Illinois, you know, we had a couple of like 6'1", 270 guys cleaning 300 pounds, could run. I'm like, oh, this is easy. You just, you know, right. put a body on a body and the holes open up. Um, but but our tailback that first year ran like a 5'1 or a 5'2". I think he ended up playing D-end at Milliken. So like we'd have these huge holes and we never took advantage of it. And then in pretty short order, we went to a team that had all skill guys, no line. Um, and so you kind of saw what that life was like. And the, maybe the best example was three seasons ago, we went nine and three here at Park City, mm-hmm. right? And then this year we went nine and three. Um, that first year we had to rob, beg, borrow, steal to get those wins. And that's when we were faking a bunch of punts and doing stuff. Right. Um, we went a couple bad losses in there. This year we went nine and three, um, lost by a you know, less than a score, one point and a, t- a score. So that was our three losses. It was because we had an O-line that was just phenomenal. Right. And so even if we were playing a team that was better than us, they just kept us in every game because right. we had enough skill and stuff. But like, you just knew, like, you didn't have to be perfect. Like that year we went nine and three where we had a bunch of young guys. Like there was guys on both those same lines. We had, we started a couple sophomores and and uh undersized juniors i think we started one senior who was his first year playing o-line great kid but not an o-lineman just was you know o-line in spirit and in mm-hmm. heart but not talent um and it was always kind of hold your breath but with this year's team you knew like hey we're going to be in every game because we can run the ball and they're going to control up front and that's like this year we're moving up a level we're moving up a division and uh you know that's a our biggest worry going forward not this year specifically uh, we've got some ballers, um, but like, that's always going to be our concern every year is, you know, cause we want to be a 21 power pro I sure. Like, we want to bang the rock. We want to be under center. Um, you know, and I guess that's, and that's a byproduct of like having uh, the head coach is a defensive guy. Obviously I'm a defensive guy. Like the, you know, our, my defense over on the sideline, talking to me, watching the, the, the replay uh, that's a beautiful place to be. And, and, and that only happens with long sustained drives and that happens up front. Right. Um, you know, and, and in the, and in that year, we went 13 and one with the semi went to the state finals was the year between those two. And we had the mix of experience and youth and talent. And uh, it, it was just fun to watch. Like I would go over there and watch our O line replay just to watch them just and get it on end zone copy and watch them just chew people up. That's was so much fun. That's funny you said that because you're that's so obviously I'm recording today I record multiple during the day and and you're the second guy that literally the last guy I just talked to said the same thing about finding that mix of 
of youth and and talent or excuse me, youth and, and experience on the offensive line. And those are the, the most fun groups. So that's funny. You, you mentioned that because it's, you would think as, as football coaches, as first coaching, as long as we have, you would think, Oh, it's all about experience. It's all about experience. It's all about experience. You're like, that's, that's how you get it. But you need that little bit of young and naive players a little bit to kind of bring everybody back to reality and, and make it fun again. So that's, that's funny. You're the second one that said that today. Well, that, uh, that's, so that's kind of, um, that's yeah. resonating a little bit more now. Yeah. And like, there's not a worse feeling in the world. Like, like this year I've replacing 10 starters on defense. Right. Right. <laughs> like I had a buddy, pretty good program in Illinois. was like, you know, he's like, we, I've got four guys coming back or I've got, you know, I've only got to replace two. Right. And like, and I've seen that in our program once like, Oh, we got two guys to replace. We got to like this year, we've got some guys of experience. Like we had some, it seemed like all of our COVID stuff we had with like um, the cross contamination or not the cross contamination, but the, you know, kids being in the same class or mm-hmm. near, near exposures yeah. hit our, hit our lines. And so we got some young guys that had got thrown in there. And, uh, and so, <clears throat> but it was nice. Cause it's nice to be able to take a sophomore inexperienced guy and sandwich him between two really smart older guys right right and then it's it, it, it there's you never want to have to do a complete rebuild on the o-line right like like right. however you got to do you got to get those young guys in there in meaningful snaps with guys that they can lean on for support um but you've got to develop those young guys because i've, I've had i've been around it we're like all right we're replacing all five linemen yeah that's uh, tough oh that's a bad place to be yeah so yeah yeah no yeah yeah, that's that's but that's yeah, it's you're right. It's 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 a lot easier to like you said put that guy in there between two older guys and now that younger guy doesn't need to rely on his brain as much as silly as that sounds. He doesn't need to rely on his brain as much. He can just go play. And, well, and yeah, like that my own story as a player, like I remember getting on the field as a sophomore and uh, we had a kid in Riverton, Mike Stopworth, Mikey Stopworth. I think he had like 157 tackles a year for three years he was a maniac but he played guard and like i'm in the game and like i'm nervous as i can be but i'm in the huddle and i got the baddest dude ever next to me i'm like oh well you know mikey's got me like and he just like he's like you know you're gonna be good code you're all right right okay if mike (laughs) says i'm gonna be okay i'm gonna be okay yeah yeah and i just you know and i'm cognizant that i had to play i'm really leery of playing sophomores like i fight it um, even like really talented kids as sophomores, right. just because I remember like my experience, right? It's amazing how like your own experience playing shapes how you are as a coach. Like I played box DN. I hate boxing as a lineman. Like as a coach, I don't ask our DNs ever to box because I hated it. Right. Uh, but I always try to do that with those young kids, like, you know, limit their exposure, but then also put them in positions where they're surrounded by guys that can support them on the field. Oh yeah. I mean, that's our job. Our job as coaches is to put those guys in the place where they can be successful. You know, we don't want, unfortunately there are some coaches who don't see it that way, but, but we don't want our guy. You don't want to put a guy out there who's going to fail. Like mm-hmm. you never want to put a guy out there to set him up for failure. Um, you want those guys to be successful. And, and I think they're, you know, there's too often there, there are guys that will see that super talented sophomore and just throw them out there right away when, he's not ready. And mm-hmm. as a coach, it's important. Like, Hey, 
this dude's going to be a guy at some point this season. Let's not rush it and let's kind of wait the first couple of weeks, see how he plays in spot situations. And then when it's time, we'll know it's time as coaches. And then it, he can, you know, kind of take the reins off, so to speak, and let him, let him run. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, you, you talked about Riverton a little bit and, and you've talked about some things there and, and we're going to kind of, we're going to rip the bandaid off. I know you, you wanted to a little bit, but talk a little bit about small school, Illinois football, um, you know, explain to the listeners how it is, especially in a place like Riverton. And let's, let's just talk about how, how and why they, they, they can't maintain success because let's be honest, they've had some really, really good coaches come through there. Some really, really good players come through there. And for some reason, the, the great coaches, the good coaches that have come through that, that program, they can't keep them. Um, and, and they, they can't stay. Whereas you look at, you know, not to, not to get on a tangent, but you look at some of the other small schools in the area where they've had coach. I mean, let's look at Auburn. Dave Bates has been at Auburn since 1942. And yeah. he's, you know, there, there's no difference in enrollment between Auburn and Riverton. They play in the, are they in the same conference? Now? They are now. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah they are. So they're, they're, they play in the same league. So, so, you know, what's, what's, why can't Riverton, keep those guys. And, and again, don't feel like you have to hold anything back. No, you're not going to get in trouble for this. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's tough. It's tough. Right. So I played at Riverton. Um, I, pro I had opportunities. Um, I could have moved in town. I could have went to Griffin and right. played. Um, but it was important to me to do it with my friends to, um, I got to watch like, cause that's the weird thing about Riverton is like, you look at their basketball program, and you look at the baseball programs there with them and uh, it doesn't make sense how, and I get to a bit of a numbers game, sure. but um, you know, I played with what three, three division one basketball players in four years. And right. I played with a division one baseball player. Um, and, but football wise, um, I think we've only ever had one, one double a guy kind of thing. Um, so it just never made sense to me, but I, it was important to me to, to be the person that changed it. That's how I looked at it. I wanted to be the guy, the group that made Riverton viable in football. So that's why I decided to stay. Um, did, did not happen in my time there. Um, I had a chance to come back and do it again as a coach. Um, and I can speak to it as, as, as a player and as a coach about it. The first thing is, is like um, our basketball IQ as a community, right? So if you go to a Riverton High School basketball game, um, they are some of the most knowledgeable high school fans you'll ever hear and see. Really? They, yeah, just because that's all they ever know is good basketball. So you can look back at the lineage of Riverton basketball, and they had like more first place, they had more first place county victories, like championships, than other teams had like total top five placements. Like when I was going into high school, now Plains has cut that lead down quite a bit. Um, but the the knowledge base, like, and then the other thing too is at that time, and that's part of the changes come now, but like a lot of people that like my kids, my age, dads played basketball mm -hmm. and their uncles all played basketball for Riverton High School. And and so there was this 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 long lineage of good basketball, and that's all we ever knew and saw. Right. And so and the same thing in baseball, there was always really good baseball around, and that's kind of all you knew and saw. Um, 
And then the problem is football started in the late seventies. Right. And um, no tradition and uh, a town that really wasn't, isn't interested in the sport. Um, best way I can explain it. Whenever I came back as a coach, one of the better ways to explain it, we used to play Mount Olive. And Mount Olive, uh, against when they had Debrino, had it right. rolling. And we would play them in football, and they would gut us, right? And then we'd play them in basketball. And watching Mount Olive play basketball is like watching us play football, right? right? <laughs> right. They're getting over and backs. They've got 35 turnovers, right? Like there was just this lack of exposure to high-level or quality football, right? And it wasn't important to the community. Right. right. Because we had these other sports where we'd really, really good. So it was just like a byproduct. Like if they used to have to throw out candy to when we scored to make people cheer. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like touchdown Tootsies. They would throw Tootsie rolls out to the crowd so they get excited if we scored. Um, you know, you would have to tell the crowd it's third long, let's get let's get loud. Like they right. would have to prompt, right? And so the, the what it takes to be good in football is so far is lacking community baseball. So now when I was playing and kind of when I got first got there now, when we got there, you know, we kind of, I got there under JD Lorton in the off season. And then JD went down to Alton and JD had it rolling a little bit. And before that uh, we had Johnston and Johnston had it rolling a little bit, Jeremiah. And um, we were just kind of building on it. And, um, but there's a lot of things that we had to fight just truthfully there's a lot of right. economic issues there's a lot of that kind of thing um our kids once they can get to um driving age we're to go get jobs you know we have a lot of kids who have to get jobs right there's that um but we were fighting like hell right there we were doing everything we could when we were there um uh to to make those decisions and to do the things we could and and i think problem is that sometimes people don't give you credit when you go three and six they well, don't know. They didn't know how hard we were working to be three and six. Right. They just see the three and six. They see. Right. They see the the. They see the. The outside layer. They don't see every, like you said. They don't see everything on the inside. And and right. and you're right. Yeah. Right. And so and even us at the you know when you're inside of it we were the same kind of guilty of it too, we were getting frustrated. We made it you know my in my second year there we made the playoffs. We had some near misses. Um, you know, and it's a good conference. The Sangamo Conference is awfully good. You're gonna, yeah. they're gonna have some battles, um, and so, you know, it was just it was tough to get going. Well, and then when people started to leave, um, you know, and, and move on and have different opportunities, um, what we, a couple things we noticed um, was that the stuff we were doing at Riverton to be below average, mediocre. Um, when we went to a place that didn't have some of the, the hurdles that Riverton has, they took off like crazy. Right. Um, and so that was kind of interesting to see like, oh yeah, just do what we did in this environment and it takes off, um, because we're moving the needle the same amount. It's just where our starting point is at Riverton is really tough. Like I was pretty open about it a couple of years ago. I wanted to see him go eight, man. It's a different game, right? We could find five, six athletes, seven athletes. Obviously we do it in basketball. We do it in other sports guys to compete at eight, man. Um, plus it'd be different if we had some sort of heritage in an 11, man. We don't. I think we've right. been to the playoffs. Uh, let's see, five, eight, nine times since 1976. Right. You know, and we're not holding on to anything, and so right. um, 
but yeah, it's just, it's, um, plus it's, um, you know, that's a school of, you know, so it's a two, a three, a bubble team, about 428 kids. And the thing about that, that enrollment is that enrollment has been the same for the, since the seventies, because Riverton's only three square miles. It's landlocked by everybody else, by like uh, the Tri-City School District, um, by Springfield. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's only three square miles. There's no real room for, it hasn't grown right. in, in 40, 50 years. Um, there's a, you know, and so, and our mobility rate is super high. So we get a lot of people move in and out, move in and out. Um, and so there's a lot of hurdles, um, but I think there's, there could be success there. Um, but I think it's how you define success, you know, maybe, Right. The program's always been significant, man. That's probably the more important part is even whenever, like when Hamilton was still there before he got let go. Um, and, and I could only speak on that because that's when I saw an insight into the program, but there was still great amount of significance going on in those kids' lives. Now success and significance, right? Success can be just, you're super talented and you win a bunch of games. Um, significance is like active choices you're making to improve the lives of your kids. And, you know, when he got let go, I was pissed off because um, like if I had a choice for my kid, my 15 year old, I have right now, my kid to play for me or play for John Hamilton, I'd pick John Hamilton. He's right. a better person. He's a better guy than me. He's a more understanding person. He's a nicer guy. He genuinely cares at an amazing level. And so I knew that those kids were getting that. And then they chose to go away from that it was mind blowing to me because there's nobody that cared about that program more than John right. and the kids in the program. And so I think there's some places where I think the view, like you said, the, the mind for the perspective of what's important. If Robertson's going winning three games, you're doing a good job. Right. You're doing a good job. Right. And you need to do a good job for about a decade before you can start becoming a every other year, two out of three year playoff team. Right. You know, the, the overhaul that Riverton would take, it's a, it's a 20 year job. Right. Well, and that's, and that's kind of what what you alluded to, you know, the, I remember when John got let go and, and talking to, obviously I still have a lot of friends in Illinois and, and talking to you a little bit. I think you and I talked about it. He got let go and people didn't see the inner workings. You know, he, they, they looked at just the record. They didn't see all the good things he was doing outside of the record, which, you know, the coaching world knew the guys, the guys closely involved with the program knew, but the quote unquote decision makers didn't see that. They just saw wins and losses. And unfortunately yeah. that's sometimes it's schools like that at, at, you know, or Riverton at, at a small school like that, you can't just look at wins and losses. You have to look at everything else involved. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure when John there, the numbers were high. I'm sure he had kids coming out and kids, other sports participating in football and and things that no like i said the the normal non-football person doesn't realize it but you know the the people closely involved do and and that was just that was unfortunate i remember a lot of people being very upset when that happened so well and you know to to the credit of that is like you know within 24 hours of being let go um you could name every big program in the Sangamo county that had called and offered him a spot oh yeah Oh yeah. I mean, you know, you get let go and all of a sudden the guys that have rings are saying, Hey, you want to come coach DBs? You want to come do this? Right. Um, you know, so that, you know, John felt, you know, was proud about that. And then to his credit, he went to Plains and they played in the state title the next year. Right. You know? <laughs> exactly. Then, you know, and that, that's the thing too, is you look at like that staff that was at Riverton at the time, you know, Josh Lee at Mascuda, what he's done there. That's a prime example of what we were doing at Riverton 
in Mascuda. You can see what that program has done in his, his tenure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I took some of the stuff that we were doing and did it at Washington my first year. And I got there late. We went one and nine next year. We won six games. We come to park city, start doing some of the same things, the same kind of way we approach stuff. We had won a playoff game in eight years. We won a playoff game. Uh, then, then we've run what 30, 40 games in the last couple of years, been right. to state semifinal state final. Um, but that staff at Riverton, you had Josh Lee, John Hamilton, uh, Jake Billbrook, who's the head coach of Gillespie. Uh, you had me, our, uh, one of our other coaches is now the superintendent of schools uh, at Riverton, the, the hardest worker I've ever seen. Um, we, had, we, had, we had a staff, man. Right. And, um, but, you know, when we were all doing it, pulling the, pulling the rope in the same direction, um, and that's just, I think that's, uh, you know, it's tough for sometimes – with admin or people in the community don't understand <clears throat> what they have. And it's frustrating on our end, but like um, we maybe didn't even realize it either because we were so busy doing the work, right. You know, that um, what we maybe had going there. Um, we had a lot of fun. I know that man, it yeah. was a lot of fun. Uh, I've never had more fun coaching than th- those days. Really? Like it's, you know, yo dude, like I don't, and I tell my kids all this time. I hate, like, I don't always enjoy like, the year we went 13 to one. I did not enjoy myself. Right. Cause I'm, I'm still Riverton bleed orange and blue. So it's not, I'm not comfortable being the, the front runner. Right. I, you know, like going to games, like I'm used to playing seven homecomings a year. Right. Like I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm used to that. And so when it's like, all of a sudden now you're the guy, you're the hunted. I'm like, this is so foreign to me. Right. Um, but yeah, man, some of those, like, uh, the class of 2011 at Riverton is, I think we were going three and six and, uh, we were blowing the doors off people late. We just had some injuries and weird stuff happen. And, um, but that was the greatest group I've ever coached. Um, and this, from the standpoint that I've never been around a group that loved to come to practice and get after it every day. Yeah. They just, we could only win three or four games. We lost. I think we might have won four that year, but we lost. We lost the first game of the season. Our quarterback got full body cramps. We had a lead, you know that kind of stuff. It was just we invent ways to lose at Riverton. We talk right. about it a lot, <laughs> but um, you know that was a great team. But I just love the way that team. You know that team. If you go back and look, I think that team owns every single like offensive record at Riverton High School. Um, for the guys that made up that group, um, they were so special. But they just you never had to ha- like you never had to cheer them on or get them hyped for a Tuesday practice. Right. They were such a, you know, and so people are like, what's your one of your funnest groups? And they expect me to say like the, the 13 and one year, 13 and one team. And they, and they were great and they worked their butt off, but like, um, you know, I don't know that they, they were super talented. We had what three division one football signees, three lacrosse signees and one D one track kid. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm still the same guy that, um, you know, went one and nine or one and nine or one and 10 in Missouri, you know, I'm, I, I've gotten fractionally better, but um, it's not, we, us going 13 and one wasn't anything I was doing um, different than when I went one and nine in Missouri or two and seven in Illinois. Like, right. Um, you know, and I think, and that's where that significance thing comes in. Like your goal can't be success because we all know it. And, I don't want to put anybody on blast or anything, but you know, there are teams out there that win because they got better dudes. Yeah, they're, yeah, exactly. Their scheme sucks. They're not disciplined. You know, they're just crazy. You know, but like they've got cats and you're like, well, they're going to beat us because they're just better. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, it just happens. Um, but yeah, that's, 
but yeah, the, the, the Riverton is a big project. It's a, it's a 20 year project. You have to get somebody in there. And that's why I just, I still get mad about the Hamilton thing. He'd have never left. No, he'd have never exactly. left. And he'd have guaranteed 20 years of kids getting the best experience possible. Right. And, that's that, the- and I'm not saying the guys now aren't doing things the right way. I don't know them. I'm far removed from the program. Right. But I do know John. And yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Him. Like, like, had John stayed and, and this, you know, we're sound like we're getting on a, I need to, I need to call John now and get him on the podcast. But um, had he stayed, you know, in his 20 years, maybe they only make the playoffs five to seven of those years, but yep. still they're, you know, three and six, four and five, five and four competitive routinely getting 45 to 60 kids out for football, keeping people, you know, keeping those kids, out of trouble, making sure they're doing right in the classroom, doing all those little things that, again, like we talked about, the outside people don't see, but doing all those little things right. And like you said, he's there for 20 years. Maybe he wins 100 games in 20 years, not even not even that many. Maybe he wins 50 games in, in 20 years. But those kids are, are, are learning and getting valuable experiences, not just in football. And and that's the part, unfortunately, that at small schools like that often gets overlooked. Right. Like me, like, you know, <clears throat> we won. We didn't win a game my freshman year. My sophomore year, I think we won two. Mm-hmm. My junior, we won three. I think my senior, year, we won one. Right. So, like, like, how does a coach come out of that? Well, the guys, the men I had as coaches were great guys. Right. They're great men. Now, they, I don't know if they're all that great at coaching, actually coaching football but they were really great guys. Right. Um, you know, and so, and that's the thing too, is I took great pride and they went to the playoffs three years in a row. Um, the group of freshmen when I was a senior and I always felt like, again, we were doing things the right way. We just didn't have as much talent. We lost three games my senior year in overtime. Right. right? So like, <laughs> you know, we're, we're a one win team. We could have been four and five, you know, like, and so, but we were doing things the right way. I always felt pride in that those guys, all those freshmen ever saw, were the guys that I helped, you know, as a captain or whatever, and groom. Right. Like they saw me, they saw the juniors, and they saw the sophomores. And then as they went through, and that's what I've noticed here at Park City, the reason why we have it rolling is, is that we only do it one way. And so all our kids know now is doing it the right way. Right. And so I felt like, and then they went to the playoffs three years in a row. Now, partly I always give them a hard time as they change conferences. <laughs> uh, we got it out of the river trails. My senior year, we played Pittsfield, Q&D, and Beardstown who were all eight and one and beat each other. They right. were like the Q and D was like the number one team in three a like Pittsfield was like the number one team in two a and Beardstown was like the number two team in two a. Right. And we played them back to back to back weeks. It was miserable. That, yeah. That's going to say that's not very fun. Yeah. Q and D put up 52 on us and a half. <laughs> and I, you know, and I felt so bad, like, and not for me, but like my, that was my coach's high, that was my high school coach's all a modern. Right. And they put a 50 spot on us and a half. And I just was like, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, you know, it's one of those nights where I think our free safety might still have the record. I think he had 21, I think he had 21 tackles uh, as a, as a free safety. That oh, night. wow. Not a good night. No, not, not a good night. <laughs> no, that's, that's, yeah, that's you're, you're making too many plays there in that, that backfield for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right, coach. Well, 
before we get you out of here, uh, I got to ask you the tough question. And, and this is the one that always stumps everybody, but if you could build a Mount Rushmore of offensive linemen um, from guys you coached, maybe guys you played with or guys you're just a fan of who would be on that five man offensive line. Yeah. You know, I've listened to your podcast. So I'm a, my, my, you know, I'm a little ready for this. Okay. Um, I tried not to over-prepare, right? kinda, <laughs> you know, um, and obviously a couple of kids popped my head instantly. Um, you know, and I was like, the pro thing is so hard. Yeah. Right. Like, um, you know, like last night I was watching around two of the, the draft and they had some pros on the, on the, on the stage and they had John Randall staying next to Orlando Pace. Right. Yeah. So I loved Randall cause he was an undersized defensive lineman like myself. Right. Um, but like, he looked like a child. Next <laughs> <to him. laughs> he didn't come up to the seam on the shoulder of Orlando's suit. Right. Right. And so like, you know, uh, saying which pro needs to be on there is impossible, but like for, I mean, Orlando, you know, how can you go wrong with Orlando? But then again, you can name five other guys like, well, he's so deserving at left tackle all alone. Um, and so I'm a, I'm going to go with high school guys. Right. So, okay. Um, just because I feel like <clears throat> the guys I care about, and I'm sappy, the guys I care about or think that could deserve you up there, the guys that I'm, you know, I admired them, right? Like there's, you know, on a personal, on a grit, on a toughness level. Right. Right. Like um, talent, I don't know, talent's overrated. Okay. Cause I can be, I'll be really truthful. I was a pretty talented football player and I would never worked at it. Right. Right. I played basketball at Riverton as a 5'11, 265 pound four, you know, power forward. Right. Right. Like I remember coming to the gym as a sophomore and coach was like, congratulations. You haven't grown in three years. You're a guard, you know, like stay and shoot hundred jump shots. Right. Right. And so I, wor I worked my butt off to be a really poor, poor basketball player. Um, and then baseball, right. No matter how hard I work in basketball, I couldn't get over the hump baseball, I butt off and I did get somewhere. So I kind of, that's, I think as a, as a coach, it's nice that I've had all three. Uh, I've been the lazy, the lazy, talented kid. Mm -hmm. I've been the work, really work hard guy, get nothing out of it and then work really hard and get something out of it. Right. Um, so for the thing that I love is I love to work really hard and get something out of it. You know, I've, my heart breaks for the guys that work hard and never get there. Um, so like the first guy I think of is we had it here at park city. His name is Ben sprung. So Ben was a tight end and we were about four or five deep at tight end. And we were, we didn't have a line really. And I just, I coached him at backer. He's a great kid. And I just went up to him and was like, Ben, I'm begging you to come to offensive line. Like, you you got to go play offensive line. Right. So he's a kid that was like, yeah, coach, I got you. So he goes down there and um, instantly makes a difference. I kind of wanted to hold him back a little bit like we talked about. I didn't want to overexpose him. Sure. I didn't want to ruin him. But uh, he just was so good, dude. We had to put him out there. Yeah. And, uh, he played he played center at about 180 pounds for us in 4a utah which is actually more like 5 or 6a illinois right moment wise um and so he did that he played outside linebacker for me played both ways um and the the prime the best ben strong story is he played in our we played uh we played the number one seed overall his senior year in playoffs and he played both ways every snap with uh two torn ligaments in his thumb oh wow he snapped the ball without a, without a ligament in his thumb. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> at 180 pounds against yeah. 
giant Polynesian nose guards. And so, I mean, it didn't get any better in my book than Ben Sprong. Um, guard, we'll go Coco. Um, he's special. Um, I love the kid. Um, you know, uh, talent-wise, they don't come more talented than Coco Lugrich. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's played guard for us, going to play fullback for Stanford. Um, wow. I, I, I personally believe, I personally believe that, um, and he's really young. He hasn't turned 18 yet. I don't know that he'll be 18 before he gets on campus um, uh, this summer, but he, um, so he's still really young. He walks around 260 with a six pack. And so I think. He's one of those think, kids, huh? He's, well, he's the same athlete as his brother. His brother starts at Drake at corner. He's the same athlete, except wow. he's 6'4", 260. Right. Um, I think he puts on 20 or 30 pounds naturally just because he loves to eat in the weight room. Right. Right. Like, I just think it happens. His metabolism being 20, 21. Um, so there's some things that happen when you turn 21 that magically help guys put on weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think he, I mean, if he wants to, I think he can play on Sundays at center. I think he's that kind of fucking kid. I think he's right. that. Um, now we'll see. Right. I mean, that's a long way away. Right. But uh, that's the kind of kid he is. Uh, I've never awesome. seen anybody play harder and more intense and enjoy destroying uh, defensive players in my life. It, right. It's infectious. You watch our other kids play and they just, they're mimicking Coco. Right. Right. Like, Oh, that's how, that's how you're that, supposed to play. Right. And so they go out and do it. Um, so obviously Coco's huge. For, he's making, know, I tell you what too, he's, he's making offensive linemen everywhere jealous that he gets to go play fullback now because well, Every offensive lineman thinks they can be a fullback, You're, myself included. So he's, he's making us all jealous. Well, it's perfect for us because we got kids like, I'm undersized. I got to be a fullback in college. We're like, yeah, yeah, so is Coco, but you can play guard right now. Right. <laughs> like, let the college coaches, and it wasn't us. Coco never brought that up. Right. So the first time they're like, hey, do you want to move positions? He's like, oh, I'd love to play center, coach. I played all in youth and I played as a freshman. You know, they're like, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah. We use what we use one of those at Stanford. We use three, four of those at Stanford. So well, yeah. was, there are other 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 universities. We'll leave them off, but they kind of got it going. Right. So then we went out and shot some running back drills with him. I remember. I remember. You know what? You're jogging my my old right? CTE brain now. Yeah. I remember you and I talking about this, and I remember you posted a video, and I was like, oh, who's this kid? And you were like, coach. No offense, but you got no shot. <laughs> yeah, love you, Tone, but no. Yeah. Um, but no, th- that was that was a request. And so then we just kind of put it out there and kind of, you know, the Twitterverse, you put it out there like, oh, right. Okay. And so we kind of ran with it and it was intriguing. And there was four schools that saw him as an H flex fullback guy. There were some people that saw him at center. Some people saw him at guard. Mm-hmm. Some people thought he might be, could go over to play defense. He was an all state uh, defensive lineman as a sophomore, you know, he's got a motor, he does special mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so yeah, so just a ridiculous kid, um, at, at tackle, I'm gonna go with Jay Jaquin from Washington. He's a blue Jay. Um, Jay Jaquin. So here's, I, I, to, again, personality, tough guy. Like when I first met him, he wasn't coming to weights and I was like, this kid's really good. Why is he not coming to weights? Like, oh, he works. Right. And you know, you don't know what you don't know, even as an adult. And so I walked on, what are you working? What job are you doing? That's more important. You being here, you're a college football player, kid. And he says, oh, I'm, I'm working construction. Go ahead, carrying boards. He says, no, I break concrete for eight hours. <laughs> oh, you're good. Yeah, you're good then, right? Like, right. tough, right? Like, I was like, why are you working so hard, you know, in the summer and da, da, da. And he's like, well, I want air conditioning in my bedroom. 
So he lives in a farmhouse in Missouri that didn't have AC in his bedroom. And he wanted to buy a unit. And then his parents were like, well, that's fine, but you owe us for the power bill. And so wow. that's why he was breaking up concrete. Right. That's the kind of kid he is, right? Um, and the best part to explain this kid is that his name is Jay Quinn Jaquin. <laughs> okay. Jaquin Jaquin. Jaquin Jaquin. Yeah. And he's a nut. And uh, I love the kid. I, he's one of those kids I get texts from. Yeah. Love the kid. Um, you know, if I were still in Missouri coaching, he would be on my staff. He yeah. just, it just. One of those. Yep. One of those. All timer. Yeah. Um, we'll go to the right tackle. Another kid um, from Riverton. This kid's from Riverton. His name is Andrew Lurch. Um, Dr. Lurch now. Really? Yeah. The name, uh, the name seems, the name is ringing a bell for some reason. I'm, uh, I'm going to let you man. explain. Yeah. Yeah. So he was, you know, six one two seventy, uh, sub five, four, nine, eight, hang clean, three thirty five, squat huge. Just strong. Now he's the second strongest kid I've ever coached. we got the kid at Park City right now. That's right. Absurd. Um, but, um, amazing kid four Oh student, um, just did everything was unblockable on D line. Uh, you did not want to be part of a down block. Um, he played next to his best friend who is super, super strong too. Um, but just a kid that, um, was all in for his teammates, you know, like, I don't know how much he loved football. I know he loved his teammates. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like he could have played, I think he didn't like the game enough to play collegiately. And he had he obviously had a lot of opportunities. You get a full academic opportunity. You would save your body, save your brain, and go get a free ride. And that, you know, right. probably a good idea. Um, but just an amazing kid. Uh, could Just out of this world ball player. Like, he's the kind of kid that, like, I remember he came up to me in December after his senior year season. I was stoked because he was wearing jeans. Because it was the first time in three years he could wear a pair of jeans. <laughs> right? Yeah. And in the weight room doing his stuff but just a phenomenal kid, a great ball player, um, had a, had a heart issue, um, and couldn't play full-time both ways. Um, but, uh, and it, he was so good defense. He was our best O lineman and our best D lineman. If the other team doesn't score, you usually win the game. So he played a lot more D than he did. O. but when we right. got pickles, we put him in O line and we'd run trap or GT and he would just crush the whole side of the line. Right. Great kid. And then the last one, uh, is, is the kid I played with. He's my guard. Um, so he was my left guard from sixth grade Northeast Cowboys all the way through high school, whether I played left tackle or center, he was right. always the, and his name was Roger Gross. Um, and Roger was a unique dude, right? Thought he was a cowboy lived in the middle of Riverton. Right. But, uh, you know, he, <clears throat> it's a little emotional. He is all he ever wanted to be was a Marine. Right. So he's a kid with like uh, really good grades. Uh, I think he got like a 25 or a 26 on the ACT. Definitely could have went and played D3 football, could have mm-hmm. just went to college. But all he ever wanted to be was a Marine. So he went in the Marines. Uh, and unfortunately, he died years later from complication from a roadside um, bomb. Yeah. Uh, but he's my guy, man. I played every snap, every level for seven years with that guy. And just the grittiest kid, clumsy goofy but man, just a, i mean just but an, like he's a marine right you know you know he's a marine guard undersized just everything you want in a kid and i was it was an honor to have him play next to me um and so he would be he'd be right there in the middle of it all for me but those are my five guys a bunch of ragtag 
Um, you know, I think maybe one or two of those guys ever saw a playoff game. Right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if, if you gave me those guys right now uh, with, you know, here at Park City, um, you know, that's how I dug it. With this guy start, right? right? Like, and those guys all start. I don't that's care. Awesome. Even on our 13 and one team, they, they right. start. They start. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's, that, that's, and again, you know, it's, you talk about the emotion of it, but that's, that's football. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's why we play this game. That's why we are still involved in this game because of memories like that, because of players like that, because of guys like that. And so that's, to me, that's awesome. I love it. So it's, it's nothing better coach. Nothing better. Yeah. But. Yeah, no, I mean, it's the, and it's the O-line too, right? Like, oh yeah, there's just, you know, there's a, there's a brotherhood. There's a, oh, there's yeah. a bond in there. Like yeah. that's, I guess that's the other part too, is like, would I be okay if that's the guy next to me? Oh, oh gosh. 100%. Yeah. You know, like, I, you know, if I had, if, you know, if those are the guy next to me, I, I feel like, um, you know, I would never want to let those guys down if I was playing next to them. Right. And you, and, you know, kind of like we talked about way back at the beginning of this with, with the, playing next to the guy you're like okay i'm i'm okay i got it covered like <clears throat> when you get when you get those five guys that you get in that that real special group you're you you it doesn't matter if you're playing the you know auburn trojans or the the illinois fighting Illini. you feel invincible and like you can take on the world so that's that's when you get those feelings that's uh that's special right there for sure yeah well, Coach, real quick before we get you out of here, do me a favor. Uh, drop your Twitter handle and any other information you want the listeners to know. Yeah, guys, I'm always down to talk ball. I probably spend entirely too much time on Twitter doing this <laughs> kind of stuff. But you and me both. Uh, it keeps me sane. It really does. Like, you know, being a three sports kid, uh, my life was always better when it was like not enough time a day. And so I'm the same way. That's why I work a part time job and do stuff because. I, I, idle time is not my thing. So don't ever hesitate to not to, to reach out. My uh, Twitter handle is at Cody underscore Gardner. That's C O D Y underscore Gardner G A R D N E R. Um, and then you always coach Cody Gardner at Gmail as well. You can always email me stuff. I'm down to talk. I've had a, you know, uh, like I said, I've done a little bit of everything. Um, and, uh, but I'm always willing to share with, with anybody that asks. Awesome coach. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I know you've been uh, you've been begging me to to come on the podcast, so finally I obliged and, and allowed you to come on. But uh, good luck this season, man. Looking forward to, to talking with you as much as we do, and and hopefully some more uh, as, as we get going. But uh, best of luck to all you guys, and and uh, we'll talk again soon. Yeah, thanks, Tony. Appreciate it, man. All right, take Be care. Well, mm-hmm. thanks for listening to this week's episode. Make sure you like and subscribe, and you can find previous episodes on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, or any other podcast platform. Thank you.